What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. Mark Sherry, associate candidate pastor. And Gary Fox. (laughs) Jeremy Dubois, deacon. That's right. That's right. We are excited to be back. Excited to have uh, Deacon Dubois. Deacon Dubois. I like that. We should get you a badge. Um, Deacon Dubois. Yeah, man. It's got a good ring. I feel like I did this last time you were here. Yeah. We said Deacon, and I was like, Deacon Dubois, and then I forgot about it. If you listen to this, um, we're going to go ahead and make sure you all are held accountable to calling uh, Jeremy Dubois Deacon Dubois. Um, we're going to get that. That's going to stick, and you guys are going to help us. Is he Deacon of the Month this month? How do you rank the Deacons, Ooh. Jeremy? Just always lower than me. Like well, obviously, always but below you. What no, it's true? literally it's Jeremy, and then it's the rest of them. <laughs> they, they get categorized into one diaconate. Oh man, yeah. So lots going on. I think we had a good business meeting, a uh, good annual church meeting. Uh, it's always like weird calling it business, but like you know, there are the business side of things where we have to just take care of financials. And I saw someone. Um, say that they stopped calling it like expenses and started calling it investments, like kingdom in, uh, investments. Yeah. Um, which I thought was cool. So we should start like calling that, that in our investment meeting. I like that. Yeah. Makes our sense. annual investment meeting because we're investing into the kingdom. Isn't that interesting? There was this uh, pastor one time, he was talking about uh, the degree he was working on, and someone was like, How does your congregation feel about that? You know, like it takes up a lot of your time. You know, you're doing a lot of school. And he said, um, That's an investment into me, which is an investment into the kingdom. So like, you know, their pastors, uh, getting stronger and it's a really good way to look at it. Like anything that, that you do, it's an investment into the kingdom. Like when you come to an evangelism class, when you come into even worship, like you're investing into the kingdom because you're investing in yourself, you're learning, you're growing. First off it's obedience, right? Um, but it's also an investment. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was cool. Do you know what the best investment was, was Investing in now Elder Simon Bartos. Yeah. Best investment of the business meeting. Absolutely. Or investment meeting. <laughs> Best investment of the investment meeting. Um, yeah, no, it's cool to to officially uh, vote him in after two long years. Uh, poor guy's first like pastoral experience, his first year of candidacy was COVID infested um, with the lockdown. And um, that mixed with a, a merger was. That's a lot. Yeah. He handled himself very well. He did. I'm surprised his eschatology hasn't been corrected yet after (laughs) seeing all that goodness and how the church is expanding. I noticed now he's an elder officially, he tried to put me on church discipline for my eschatology. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. No, I said that uh, because me and you hold closer to uh, the same end times view that we needed to vote you in like immediately, <laughs> effective immediately. So it's two to two. So that it's two to two. <laughs> Even the scales. As soon as we vote you in, we're like, we're launching into a revelation series. You know, I'm, I'm And curious. they're not getting the preach. It's just going to be me and you. We're going <laughs> to alternate weeks. Just back and forth. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm curious to hear how many people would be interested in an end times debate uh, between Michael and I and Gary and Simon. So if you're listening and you are interested in that, uh, by all means, express that and we'll hasten it. And what would happen, it would be Mark versus Simon with uh, me and Gary cheering on our sides. <laughs> so, oh yeah, that would be fun. Is that your leftover food, by the way? No, that was here when I got here. The box was here. That's a, yeah, it's a mold on it. It's a, uh, it has mold on it? Uh, probably. No, nobody cleaned down here. There's like a mess, basically. That's a new uh, cue ball. 
It's the new cue ball. It's just a little styrofoam box. It's busted up. Oh, man. So, question for you, Pastor Mark. Yes. QAnon, what is it and why is it wrong? So, I don't know much about it, um, but the little I know about it is that it is uh, conspiracy theory in its truest sense. So, I don't, uh, I don't know where the Q came from. I've read different things. I know it came from like 4chan or 8chan, uh, but I know parts, Not Francis Chan? Not Francis Chan, although he, he, he would probably- <laughs> Fran Chan? Uh, yeah, he'd probably write something like that eventually. Um, so I, again, I don't know much about it. I, I think there's grains of truth in every conspiracy theory to one degree or another, um, even opposing views that I uh, disagree with. That it's like there's some merit to what they're saying. Uh, this one is, I think, again, I don't know too much, but it's basically like the elites drink babies' blood and uh, what else? Sheesh, child trafficking. It's yeah. yeah it's I like, wanted to learn like, today. Yeah, and and there's some even further things. And one one of the problems with it is the predictions throughout the time that it's been alive continue to fail. It's like. At every mile marker where they say something's going to happen and it doesn't happen, I don't understand how... Like dispensationalists? <laughs> like dispensationalists, right? Jesus come, 88 reasons Jesus is coming in 1988. Um, so again, I don't know too much about it, but I do think it is conspiracy theory and much of it is very unbiblical. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. Je- Jeremy's looking it up, aren't you? <laughs> I literally um, just thought of that one to be able to throw it at you. <laughs> Uh, Mark always rolls in here and he's like, all right, what's our mystery question? I'm like, I have none. And I had none. And I just was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to bust he, him with this one. He quick. writes them out the night before to try to catch us off guard. Weeks before. I've got plenty of them. Plenty of the, them. It was 4 Thank you. That's where the Q came from. Just like the, they were known as Q. Q. Yeah, and the... And there's a, there's a documentary on it, actually. You can kind of catch most of it. But the, the best representation of QAnon is the Buffalo Man who took uh, Nancy Pelosi's lectern. Or was that, was that Nancy Pelosi's lectern? I don't know. I think so. Up? I'm pretty yeah. sure. So um, here you go. Uh, Jeremy, a question for you. You're big sports guys. You see uh, Ben Roethlisberger's um, interview talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. I did not. You did um, not. Okay. Well, I want to get your, your first reaction. Okay. Like uh, you all are going to get it right here. Um, so he said, uh, when talking about Kansas City, he's like, I mean, they're the best team. Like, I don't even think we're supposed to be here. So we're just going to try and go out and have some fun on Sunday. And uh, yeah, and then we'll be back home or something like that. Like pretty much like yeah, we're, we're going in to lose, but we're going to have fun. That's the sound of a man that's about to be retired in one game. <laughs> so um, the, the running back, Najee Harris, um, had a provocative reply to that and then he's he's deleted it they're thinking it might be a a psychology trick where he's like trying to like be nonchalant about the game and kansas city's gonna be like oh yeah he's he's retiring he's done yeah, and then so he comes in and smokes him it's the opposite of take it's the opposite of giving him bulletin board material it's taking it away it's, it's taking away that instinct to want to kill him who was it uh was it andrew luck he'd get like hit really hard like when he dropped back for a pass and he'd be like oh good hit buddy oh yeah it was like a philip rivers philip okay. rivers Andrew Luck did the same thing too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Trash kind of yeah. Thing. But like one of them like was like really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It like it was like, you know, you don't want to hit the nice guy. Yeah, that was Luck. Yeah, Philip Rivers. Just, there's this video where he gets smashed, but it goes for like a 90 yard touchdown, and he's like, woo, woo, in the defender's ear the whole way down the field, and like the referee like jumps in between them. So, anyways, they uh, both had uh, careers that persevered as long as they could. You know what else perseveres? 
the saints. Baby. How do you spell perseverance of the oh, saints? Oh man, you know that's that word has always been a challenge for me. That and spaghetti. Spag- spell spaghetti. S p a g h e t t i. Wow, I got it. Nailed it. Yeah. Spaghetti. Hey, like, that's right. Yeah. So, Michael, what is the perseverance of the saints? Well, many Baptists would know it as another doctrine. Yeah, Jeremy. Calvinism. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. Uh, it would be eternal security. Um, so the idea of perseverance of the saints is that uh, the true saints, right? Those who have truly believed in the gospel will persevere to the end. It means that you, um, grace will not be taken away from you. Uh, you yes. will not lose your salvation. Um, and this is really important because it starts with the, the building block that we've had from the beginning. If you are unable to save yourself, if it's God's grace saving you, then it's God's grace that will sustain you. Yes. Um, so it's really important if we believe that God saved us, then we should believe that God will sustain us. Now, there's a few objections that would come up with this. Um, and it's not necessarily that we have a workspace faith um, that, that people might say like, oh, yeah, we work our way to faith. But a lot of people would say like, well, since Jesus has saved you, then you should actually go out and work. And if you don't, then you're not saved. So how do we find that balance of, I, I just want to start there with like works, right? Like um, if the Christian stops doing works, um, will they persevere? Yeah. So then, then that comes down to the question of, are you a true Christian? Actually, Nathan, my son last night asked, because um, we went through the P, the and I, I like calling it preservation of the saints. I see it. Uh, yes, the saint perseveres. You're preserved only, like a nice can of jam. That's right. That's right. Only because they they, um, they are preserved by God. Um, so so he asked, can a Christian, you know, uh, can a Christian lose their salvation? We we talk through this, and you know, and I said, well, it depends on what you mean by Christian. There are professing Christians, those who uh, make a profession. They say Jesus is my Lord and Savior. They join a church, they get baptized, and they walk away. So the, a visible professing Christian can absolutely lose the salvation that is presented to them by grace alone. But a true regenerate Christian cannot. And now to your question, uh, can a Christian continue in sin and persevere? I believe we have examples of that from the scripture where Christians fall into heinous sin for periods of time, and God uh, is faithful, even though they are not, to keep them through to the end. So some appear to not even really finish well, but they are called righteous. You have Lot, Samson, Peter, David. I think the list is pretty big, and that those are just the examples that we see, not the ones that are true throughout history. So are you saying it's not about how you finish the race? It's just that you do finish the race? Yes, in a sense, yes. Okay. Yes. So if you if you die rejecting Christ, then no, uh, there is no hope. But uh, if you are failing in sin repeatedly, which we all do to one degree or another, uh, God is still faithful to his covenant promises to, uh, to you know, bring that saint to glory. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, John writes about this. So these are some passages that we, we use pretty often um, because these things are important. Like um, I feel like we, we might have touched on this back when we went through. Um, oh, man. Oh, what is the doctrine? 
uh, we went we went back like evaluating your your oh lordship uh, salvation lordship salvation yes yes yeah I, I feel like we kind of talked about it then but like First um, John two nineteen talks about this like so when we talk let me back up yes. when we talk about lordship salvation what we're talking about is um, you you believe in Christ your Lord your Savior um, but then there's this sense of like. Um, if you're a believer, you're evaluating your works and is it wrong to evaluate your works? Um, you can go back and you can listen to that. Is there anything else to tack onto that? Just, I don't want to say Lordship salvation and then like not. No. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's you, when you have faith, you will have works and some of the, you know, Lordship salvation folks, I, I think take it too far where, uh, they're constantly pulling out the measuring stick and saying, do you add up? Are you a Christian? If you're doing this, then you're not. Um, so I think, I think there's just a balance there where, yes, absolutely, faith without works is dead, uh, but that's not really a faith now. And so right. if you have true faith, um, you are saved, even if you produced minimal works. Yeah. So then John writes, 1 John two nineteen. he says, uh, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out uh, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Now, it's, it's really important to understand. Um, this is to like the outward sign, right? Like this is this is like the playing church. So outwardly, you look like a Christian. They were with the apostles. They were with these believers for a little while, uh, walking and sitting under their learning. Um, I would assume that they were partaking in communion. Um, some of them were probably baptized, um, but they left physically because they were never a part of it spiritually. That's the distinction. Like sometimes we, we base what you're saying too much on the outward signs. Right. When salvation has to do yes. with the heart. Yes. Um, now, what we're not saying is, is that your works don't matter. Mm. Your works do matter, but your works don't matter in the sense that they get you into heaven. Your right. works are a result um, of of the work that Jesus accomplished on your behalf and applied to you um, by his redemptive work on the cross. Yeah. An, an analogy that I've found helpful is uh, imagine there's a rope from earth to heaven. Now, let's say they're parallel in the analogy. Uh, in one of the views, it's basically you have to grapple across the entire rope by your own strength, right? And maybe God helps push you up and keep you on there every once in a while. But in the, the preservation or perseverance of the saints, this is the view that uh, when the believer gets on the rope, they put their hands on the rope by faith and repentance. God holds his hands around theirs and brings them each step across all the way to the end. That's that's one helpful analogy for me. I yeah, it's just I what I've always assumed or thought is about repentance, right? So you're everybody sins, so you're always in open rebellion to God when you're sinning, right? Yeah. So that's even not doing what you should be doing, the great great commission, stuff like that. Right. So everybody does it. It's about the repentance and getting back on track and then not staying in open rebellion the whole time. Yeah, and I mean like to what you're saying, it's like I think about like you know, like my marriage. Like, if I go and, like, do something wrong to Aubrey, like, are we then not married? Yes. No, we're married. But should I still, like, apologize? Like, repent? Right. Yeah, of course I should. Why? Because it's it's an ongoing relationship. Like, this isn't a disconnected relationship from God that we have. So your initial repentance brings you into the fold of God um, by his grace through your faith, right? Right, right. Um, but that ongoing repentance is, like... I'm working on this relationship. I'm cultivating a healthy relationship with uh, my Lord. Like, so he saved you, but like, 
Now you've got to like do your part in being obedient to him, like going to, to church. Why? Is it just to, to have your attendance and make sure that you're in good standing with the local church? No, it's because he's told you, like, don't forsake the assembly, to be a part of the assembly, to join the local church, to participate in the local church through service and through acts of kindness and, and, and whatnot. So I think those are all important to understand. And then now let you get down to, to some of the things like some people believe that you can lose your salvation. Um, and I've heard people um, describe Jesus's words that all that the Father has given to me, you know, like no one can snatch them from my hand and whatnot. And then they tell me they're like, "But you can leave His hand, <laughs> but you can you can jump out of His hand." Right. And no I'm like, "Well, you just you. one like you like took that analogy too far because like I'm not like literally like He's not squeezing me right now like <laughs> I can't move and I'm confined, but like the idea that like. Again, this goes back to how did you get in his hand in the first place? Yeah. So like, I'm not, I told Aubrey, we just got a dog, right? I was like, I paid the price for that dog. I was like, no one's, nothing. That dog isn't even going to get out of the fence. Like, that's my dog, right? I paid for him. And like, you all are like, yeah, but you should just like love the dog. I'm like, I do love the dog, but I also know that I paid a price for the dog. Jesus's Mm. price that he paid on the cross was precise. We talked about that too. So like, we know that Jesus paid the price and like his people, he's not going to pay the price and be like, well, I just lost some blood for no reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was an intentional, precise price that he paid for his people and nothing's going to take that away from him. Like he's not like a, a bad investor. Like I'm investing in this and my people, I'm just going to let them go. Like they can jump out of my hand. I've known a lot of Christians throughout the years who believe you can lose your salvation. Um, I think every true Christian, uh, more than likely, feels they can. They, at time, have thoughts they can. I have many, many times. You know, did this sin uh, cause God to, you know, it revoked God's love? Uh, have I sinned the, you know, the unforgivable sin? Have I blasphemed against the Spirit? And honestly, um, if you if you reject the preservation of the saints, I think it's a miserable way to live. Uh, most of the people I've talked to, it is a works based uh, good news for them. It's you, yeah, you live in fear. Of, yeah, yeah, you're constantly you're you know you're on a everlasting. What's hamster the standard? Wheel. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then they say, well, you see, uh, Pastor so-and-so doesn't do what I do, so they're a Christian and I'm not. (laughs) It's like, okay, but you don't see what they do do, or you don't see their heart and their thoughts. We're all wicked uh, in, in, you know, the heart of our hearts. And when we become regenerated, we have new life, but we still have that remnants of sin in our flesh. Um, I grew up that way as a Methodist. Like when I was a child, I remember... um, even as a kid, so I didn't grasp much uh, from the, the Methodist church. Like, I don't remember um, a ton. Um, like, my dad even was telling me, he's like, yeah, they did baptisms. And, like, I don't remember one, like, when we were there. But, like, you know, you're a kid. But one thing that stuck with me was, like, you've got to repent or you're not, like, standing before God, like, righteously, right? Um, you're not justified before the Lord. And then this girl down the street, um, her family and, you know, our family, we would hang out all the time. And, and I remember her talking one day and she's like, yeah, you've got to believe in Jesus to be saved. And I'm like, no, you got to repent. And I'm like, you don't have to be saved to get to heaven. Like, like what she was trying to say like now and like I, I understand is like this, this saved is like she, again, we were kids having this discussion, right? Like right. We, we barely knew, you know, Genesis to Revelation, like literally just the books of the Bible. Um, 
but what she was trying to tell me is like, there's this faith that you have in Jesus and you're sealed, right? Like that's what she was trying to convey to me. And like now it clicks and I'm like, man, like, dude, I, I was like red in the face arguing with this girl. Like, and I, man, I didn't have a lick of sense for the Bible. Like, you know, we went on Sunday mornings and that was it. And, um, oftentimes like, I just remember like waiting for communion to be passed back out. Cause I knew that that was like, we were near the end of the service and like, we'd get to go home and I'd get to have some bread and grape juice and take off. Like that was it. So there wasn't much that stuck with me, but I remember that concept and even it went on. And I remember like right before, uh, giving my life to Christ and truly being saved. Like I remember like repenting for all the bad in my life. Like my dad's buddy was about to pass away and I'm like sitting in my room and I'm thinking about my sin and like, what have I done wrong? And like, um, you know, Reed is dying, but like, what happens when I die? Like, am I going to be right before the Lord? Or am I going to forget to repent on my last breath? Mm. Literally, like that's scared. Because yeah. I had a conversation with my grandmother one time and I was like, you know, like how people commit suicide, mama? She's like, yeah. I was like, I know, I know what happens to them now. She's like, really? And I was young and I was, yeah, I know what happens. She's like, okay, tell me. And I was like, well, they don't go to heaven. And she's like, okay, why? And I was like, because they didn't repent. I was like, they committed a sin in their last mm-hmm. act. And she's like, exactly. And I was like, but now I look back at that and I'm like, man, like so backward. Like now I'm not saying like end it and like, oh, you just go to heaven. But like, I remember like, as I'm like starting to process those things, I'm like, man, that's such a wrong understanding to, to what Christ accomplished on your behalf. And like this, this idea of living in fear, like man, that like just encapsulated like my middle school years of like, I'm not doing well. Like I'm not doing good. And like, when I became a believer, like I still had to wrestle with some of those concepts of, am I, am I going to lose this? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and That's uh, tough. what we're saying here is God is not an Indian giver. He doesn't give, you know, mm. the calling of God is irrevocable. The promises of God are, ir- his promise is if you believe on my son, you will have ever currently possess everlasting. How can you have everlasting life and lose it? It's not everlasting life. At that point, you know, it, it's, it's a cheap, it's a gimmick, right? God is a man if you can lose your salvation. He, he promises something, but then he takes it away. And like you, you said, if it, you know, we didn't start this, we're not going to end this. It depends on God. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it does not depend on us. And um, I, I think with, you know, the, the whole, you know, lose, losing your salvation, uh, I lost my, my, uh, thought there but basically um yeah give me a second recap (laughs) no yeah you're good no it it happens so so uh like a lot of people think when when you can't lose your salvation they think you just get saved and then there you can from there on you can do whatever you want right that's 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 what what people think and then but i think like a good analogy is that footprints in the sand poem right so they say there's two footprints footprints in the sand walking with god sometimes there's one and he asks god why there's only one footprint in the sand he said well right. it was those hard times that i carried you well god does carry you especially if you're seeking after god and seeking his help through the hard times but there's still two footprints in the sand later on you still have to do the work you still have to repent you still have to go out there and and do what god tells you to do but there are times where he helps you out so it's not like it's not like you can just do whatever you want still mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what i was going to say is don't use this doctrine as a shield to defend your sin Mm-hmm. Right, that's you cannot use any of these five, which are a system. They're all together. If you deny one, if you knock one down, they all fall down with it. 
you, you cannot use these, well, you know what, I might as well sin because I, 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 you know, I won't lose my salvation. That's a damnable doctrine. Paul rejects it all over. The, you can see that in the entirety of the scriptures, that holiness, no one will see the Lord without holiness. So holiness is crucial. And shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? By no means. Yeah. I always think it's interesting because sometimes we talk about these doctrines and we forget about some of the most simple um, Christian words, everlasting. Yeah. Like, how do you get around that? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I was talking to a friend who's, um, he's a Calvinist and, you know, we were just talking about like some like basic verses. Like, what do you go to? And he's like, dude, I go to, to John three. And I'm like, dude, really? Like, I don't think of like John three for like explaining this. And he's like, says you must be born again. I'm like, all right, where are you going with this? He's like, what part did you play in your birth out of your mother's womb? And I'm like, none. He's like, well, you don't play it in your spiritual birth either. That's right. I'm like, oh, like I don't conceive myself. I don't like bear myself either. Um, But that word everlasting. um, I don't know. Yeah. Like how, how do you get around that? Like, like every, every Christian on like whatever side you are on this, we use that word everlasting life. We don't believe it starts later. We believe it starts now. Right. right? Like we haven't received our glorified body, but like your redemption um, is in motion now. Like when, when Christ saves you, right? When the spirit comes inside of you, um, you are, you are sealed, right? Like even Ephesians says that Ephesians four 30, I've got in front of me and do not grieve the Holy spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of mm. redemption. Guaranteed um, down yeah. payment. Yeah. So it's this guaranteed down payment. We've been sealed uh, by the spirit for what everlasting life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life so you can have real assurance. And it's not rooted in anything we do. It's actually when we look away from ourselves that we actually develop assurance because the assurance isn't rooted in our performance, but it's in God's character and in what he did on the cross for us in Christ. Yeah, so I'm going to end with this little point and then get on to what Jeremy's talking about is like, like not holding this in what you kind of talked on to is not holding this doctrine to do whatever we want. Then if we're going to persevere, if we've been sealed, then we can just go on living however we want. But I want to end here with this, um, this part of like being sealed and, um, for the day of redemption, uh, Paul writes to Timothy in second Timothy one twelve, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day, capital D, what has been entrusted to me. Mm. Like we're guarded. Yeah. Right? Like like God is guarding you. There, we believe in spiritual warfare. So it says that we are guarded. Like the, the battle for your soul has been won by the Lord um, if you've believed in him. Um, but then you, you talk about doing whatever uh, we want. Like what are some passages that guard against like – Christians, you can't like you're forgiven of your sin, right? But you can't just go do whatever you want to do. What passages come to mind for you? Well, in in, in the broader context, I think the book of Romans is one of those examples. So chapters one through three is everyone's a sinner, everyone's condemned. Chapters four and five are you're justified by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Chapter six is sin doesn't have any power over you. You don't have to sin. Don't sin. Don't offer your members up as as slaves of sin. Chapter 7 is, but the reality is we do sometimes. And then chapter 8 is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But you go back to chapter 6. 
Uh, Paul very clearly explains that we're not under the power of sin like we were prior to Christ. And therefore, we are empowered to be slaves to righteousness. And that's what the law is. The law and the gospel, uh, they work together. The law is subservient to the gospel. And it's not like, you know, you walk through the gospel door and the rest of the way it's law. No, the gospel is undergirding the law. Uh, but every command is there to be obeyed. And in Romans 8, it actually says that we fulfill the law through Christ. And, and so I think every command you see in Scripture for a new covenant uh, believer is, is that rec- way to, to reconcile that. We obey by the Spirit's power through love uh, in, in Christ. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, Romans is, is a, a great point. You know, Paul is like very clear. Should we continue yeah. to sin that grace may abound? Right. By no means. Right. right. And he talks about that. I think that's what Romans 6 for that one. Um, I remember when we, uh, side note, uh, Jared Holmes, uh, one of our members, was leading in the cigar Bible study, Romans. We were going through Romans. <laughs> and we had a few people coming that like don't go to our church and whatnot. And um, it took us a while to get through like the first two chapters. And the one guy just was honest. He's like, when are we going to be done with this? <laughs> when are we going to be? And I was like, don't worry. Like, there's like some good coming. But like, you really do have to wrestle with like the the depravity of man, which the first three chapters really, really hammer. Um, but yeah, and, and, but then it gets to, to the point of what you're saying in chapter six is like, by no means we can't continue to sin so that grace may abound. Like, of course it abounds, but um, Christians don't, don't sin. Like or we sin, but we don't make a habit of it. Right. Um, like that's even here in, in first John three, nine talks about like that habit. Like this is so good here. Let me read this real quick and then uh, continue on this point. First John three, nine, no one born of God, right? That born is important because you go back to John chapter three, not first John three, but John three, um, you don't enter the kingdom unless you're born again. No one enters the kingdom of God unless he's been born again. Uh, was it Nicodemus? Yeah. How, how can I be born again? Um, I entered my mother's womb a second time to be born. No. So no one here in verse First uh, John three nine. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, right. for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, again, you'll sin, and there's going to be plenty of instances that that you'll be able to look back on the past week, and then next week you're going to be able to look back at a few instances, and that week and so on and so forth, that you have, you've sinned and you've fallen short of the glory of God, um, but you find assurance in Christ and his forgiveness and you change, right? You repent, you make a correction in that behavior. When, when um, the Bible says adulterers will not inherit the kingdom of God, that does not mean that if you've committed adultery, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. But notice what it says. It's, it's almost like it gives you this title as if it's your occupation. Adulterers will not. So like right. you, if you've committed adultery, that doesn't make you an adulterer. You committed the act of adultery, right? Um, but it's really important to, to uh, disassociate ourselves from from those sinful practices. You are, because of God's grace, if you've believed in the gospel, you are a child of God, okay? So you've been born of God and you are not an adulterer. You are not a liar, even though you may lie, you may commit sins, but like seeing what you now belong to, like that's the thing. Like, do you, do, you, yeah. do you do you belong to adultery? Do you belong to lies and habitual um, 
unrepentance, right? Or, or do you belong to the king of kings? And, and do you live that way? Because if you, if you see yourself as, as his prized possession, then you're going to go out and live like it, right? Like, like our attitude and our obedience comes not from our own power, um, but for our desire for him who saves, right? Like right. when you understand God's grace, and especially this doctrine, um, these doctrines, the doctrines of grace that we've been talking about um, in the past few episodes, when you understand that it was him who did all of this, it draws you closer to him. It draws you and mm. sends you out on mission. Yes. Um, and then you have full assurance that like, hey, like our brothers and sisters are growing in the Lord. They're being persevered uh, or preserved, right? And they will persevere to the end. And we've got to hold them accountable to to fighting off the sin that seems to creep up, especially into the church and try and divide churches. Mm. And we're not to be divided. We are to be united um, on the gospel. So, And John clears up any misconceptions about the verse that Pastor Michael just read in chapter one. He said, if... We say we are without sin. We call God a liar. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the Christian does really and actually have sin. Romans 7 makes that abundantly clear. Paul called himself a wretched man. And, and you know, on that point, there are warning passages in the Bible. So this is not a free-for-all, like, hey, just live however you want. No. There are warning passages. If you if you are indulging in persistent, unrepentant sin and you are high-handedly sinning, you should fear. We should fear. Um, and, and there are consequences. Even as a believer, if you know you're soundly saved and you're persisting in unrepentant sin, guess what? God chastises his children. If you're not, then he'll just, you know, that's demonstrated that you're not one of his people, which should provoke you to repentance faith because the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Uh, one of the, you know, on the topic, I've talked to a lot of people about can you lose your salvation? And they, they really struggle with it. And I get that, right? There are some passages on the face that seem like you can lose your salvation. I think many of them are talking about uh, being a visible covenant or church member and being cut off by, you know, pers- pursuit of uh, heinous sin or even minor sins. There's no repentance. But to encourage the saints in the Westminster Confession, chapter 17, uh, on the perseverance of the saints, they lay out what it is. And they, after they give this great assurance that the saint will be preserved, they say, nevertheless, they may, through the temptations of Satan and of the world, the prevalency of corruption remaining in them and the neglect of their means of preservation fall into grievous sins and for a time continue therein whereby they incur God's displeasure and grieve his Holy Spirit come to be deprived of some measure of their graces and comforts had their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded hurt and scandalize others and bring temporal judgments upon themselves. So it, it, it shouldn't be, no saint should be thinking, oh, I'm good. I'm just going to continue in this sin because you know what? God's got me. Oh no. If you're a saint, God will come down with fatherly displeasure and discipline you Bingo. hard. Yeah. Well, we get that. We understand that from, you know, the human aspect of parenting. Like I don't, I don't want to come across hard, but it's important that like parents do understand you do need to discipline your kids. Yes. That's part of good parenting. Discipline them. Right. Um, why? Because you want them to not have bad behavior. You want them to be good, right? And especially for God, he wants us to be not just simply good, but to be holy. Uh, Jeremy's got a good passage here he's going to read for us from 
What, what, where is it at? Revelations 3.19. Deacon Dubois. It's, uh, Bring in the heat. <laughs> Deacon Dubs. It says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Mm. So be zealous and repent. Yeah. So it goes along Amen. with what you were just saying right there. Like, Yeah, we're reproved by by a loving father. Like, it, it's loving of God to do that. Like, yeah. if, if my dad, like, I mean, you've shared things, like, you know, mm. of, with your parents. And it's like, sometimes in the moment, those seem terrible. Um, some of them may not even be like the, the best call uh, as as parents for us to do, um, but like it gets the point across. Like we we're not putting up with that as parents. Like you know we want our kids to be um, raised right. We want them to be respectful. We want them to have um, manners, and most importantly, we want them to be Christians and to see God's word uh, for what it is and uh, to seek holiness. Um, as Christians, particularly those who've been redeemed and are regenerate. Um, you are to be holy as your Lord, your God is holy. So, yeah, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And he goes on in Hebrews 12 to talk about it's not pleasurable for the time being, but it has rich, righteous results. And one of the one of the greatest assurances that I have that I'm a Christian is that I'm disciplined. That when I persist in sin, God does he there's problems. <laughs> there's problems. Either mental, psychological, physical. It seems like uh, God, God lets me know. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you have a problem, God's disciplining you because we know that from the book of Job and right. from John 9, that not, you know, it's, what sin did this man commit? What, what his, him and his parents. It's like, no, this man was blind for the glory of God. That's why he was born blind. Uh, and so you can't make those connections every time, but I think there are some obvious ones. I've, I've heard many stories of, of people uh, going through particular heinous sins, committing particular, and, and God really brought the heat on around people around them, uh, their vehicles breaking, their transmissions. I mean, same day, one after the other. And they just said, wow, God really loves me, to, you know, to show me that this is not the way he has for me. Yeah. Final thoughts? I think this has got to be one of the most, be- I mean, I think all the doctrines of grace are beautiful. But uh, this one, that assurance that you can rest, right. that Christ is a savior. He's not, he's not an attempter. He doesn't just attempt to save you. He doesn't leave it up to you. I've said my entire Christian life that if I can lose my salvation, I would have lost it a thousand times over. I don't have it in me, nor do you, to persist to the end. Mm-hmm. But thanks be to God that Jude 1, we are kept, reserved in Jesus Christ all the way through. Yeah, no doubt. No final thought from Deacon Dubs. Deacon Dubs. I'm going to leave you all with this from Romans eight thirty-eight through 39. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor the present things uh, nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. That means not even you, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus, our Lord. We hope that this podcast helped you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have questions about this episode, a previous episode, or about a relationship with Jesus, go to newhilloh.com slash ask and send in those questions for a biblical response. All right, church, go and honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded, provide to the needs of others, and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Boom. Godspeed. Yeah.